Well, the weather for the whole of the south of England will continue as it has for the next few weeks. It's going to be hot and moist, with temperatures rising steadily as time goes on. There's a chance of steamy moments as we move into the... Ah, sod it. We never wanted to do this. We never wanted to be weathermen and women, making innuendos about hot atmospheres and drizzly countries. We didn't want to be child-friendly. We didn't want to bang on about being for over-18s only. We want to talk about our sexy adventures. We want to be lifestylers, leaping from bush to bush as we sail down the rivers of British sex clubs and mountains of crazy experiences. The cheeky purple mamba, the liquid silk pumped liberally into our hand, the rodeo classic brief harness complete with Tantus curve, the enjoy pure one stainless steel dildo, the hot octopus digit, the ever so short messages on fab swingers, the sexy friends on Twitter, and the mighty vanilla alternative. With my best girly by my side, we'd swing, swing, swing. Get in the gym or to your car. Our advice, you could go far. We fuck things up and we make mistakes. We talk about our sexy dates. It's getting hard for this to rhyme. Just as well, cause it's bed. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Bedhoppers podcast. My name is Mr. H. And Mrs. H. Thank you for joining us today. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who sent uh, lovely, kind, wonderful messages about our last episode. Oh, I thought you meant just to you then. <laughs> ah, I thought that you meant. No, um, lots of people have been in touch through all sorts of different platforms, from email to Fab Swingers to Twitter. I'm not going to name them all. It'll just get boring. No, a long, just, long list of things. <laughs> a long, long list of things. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit. But anyway, lots of people have got in touch to say uh, how much they enjoyed the last episode, which is all about Mrs. H losing a mojo, um, and say that they'd been feeling similar too and had gone yes. through similar things. So me having a big old whinge. <laughs> <laughs> Doing your big whinge. Uh, I'm glad so many people could kind of relate to what I was talking about. It's um, it's it's really nice to know that I'm not not going mad. I'm not my own. I was and... surprised by how many men wrote to us to say that they were also going through a menopause. <laughs> men, oh pause. Maybe yeah, but it was really nice. And and honestly, folks, thank you ever so much if if you uh, contacted us, and I, we really hope that you got the best out of that episode because mm. we felt it was really important to talk through that. And it wasn't... also with suggestions. Yeah, there was tons of really useful things I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, ditch Mr. H, get rid of him, kill him. You've been reading emails too. Bury him. <laughs> yeah, I've seen bury him. Bury him. Yeah, that's taken a really sinister it, turn. It took many dark turns throughout the course of some of these emails, wow. but most of them were very kind and very lovely. So if you yeah. sent us one of those, thank you ever so much. You are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, thank no, you. No, no. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're not going to harp on too much in this little intro bit because we have an amazing guest that we want to share with you today. Yes. Uh, Mrs. H, who have we got with us? Uh, we are going to be talking to Cooper S. Beckett. Cooper S. Beckett yes. from Life on the Swing set mm -hmm. and many, many novels. Anyway, we're not going to drag this out. Uh, Mrs. H, play the thing. We've got something that's just for you. Holy shit, it's an interview. So with us today, we have the delightful, the lovely, the amazing, the incredible uh, Mrs. H. But we've also oh, got wow. uh, Cooper Beckett, <laughs> who's here today. 
Also ran Cooper Beckett. <laughs> it's Cooper S. Beckett, is that right? It is, it is yeah. What does the S stand for? Sex. Well, I mean, uh, swinging. Yeah. Uh, or or just um, like Harry Truman, uh, his, his S was just an S. It wasn't a name. Or is it like a shortening? So it's Cooper Speckett. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> Dylan likes to put it uh, at the end of Cooper. So it's like Cooper apostrophe S. Cooper's so it, it, Yeah. Cooper's so like I, I have, I, it's the possessive of Beckett. <laughs> it sounds like it might be a monument. <laughs> Last week, we, we drove all the way up to Cooper's yes. Beckett. It was a fantastic sight. <laughs> it's a great monument. <laughs> Worship it daily. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, yes, Cooper. Yes, please. Yes, um, please. So, uh, listeners, we, we've we've brought Cooper on to talk to him about a lot of stuff, uh, none of which we've really prepared him for. But we're going to. Well, we... you prepared loosely. <laughs> I just turn up and look pretty as usual. Oh, that's good. So you're Thanks. driving today, then? No, not oh, at okay, all. Okay, fine. But I do have a nice little um, <laughs> intro into Cooper. Okay, you're introing. No, no, I'm not introing. Intro. I'm just telling you an interesting Cooper. fact. Okay, please tell me an interesting fact. My interesting fact about Cooper, right, is he has the, oh my God, the nicest voice ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is going to be really bad <laughs> if someone's listening and going, no, he fucking doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, no, no. He's, uh, he sounds like Pendulette uh, uh, like is what Pendulet. I hear all the time. Pendulette. So, little short anecdote here. When I first met Cooper at Desire, Mm-hmm. I went. I think I marched up to him. Bear in mind, we were both naked because you know where we were. And I think I marched up to him and said, "Oh, you're Cooper, aren't you? You sent me to sleep at night." <laughs> <laughs> Which, in fairness, is not what you immediately want to hear when a sexy woman walks up to you. Is <laughs> is you put us to sleep? <laughs> like so putting true. someone to bed? That's different. But putting us to sleep—that's uh, my, like, okay. my use of words was just not good. But I should elaborate that. Please um, elucidate. I, I will elucidate for my listeners. <laughs> so Cooper has a series of um, books because he's really wordy and all that. And he's written some books. And some of them are on audio. And you've played these to me. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? He sounds like Pendulette. And you're like, oh, this is Cooper. He's written some books about sex and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this because, you know, sex. Confusingly, then- I've also played some Pendulette books just to... <laughs> You're spoiling my anecdote. So we were listening to these books. And as, as it went on, I was like, oh, this voice is really nice. It's really compelling. I, I could listen to quite a lot of this. By the time we finally met Cooper, I'd actually mm. listened to, oh, I don't know, maybe 24 hours of Cooper's voice. Uh, and sadly, yes, you do send me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should also point out that we did meet Pendulette. Oh yeah, but not not. We didn't tell him the anecdote about Cooper's voice. No, we didn't. We didn't go. Uh, no, you I sound, don't think he'd care. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know you sound just like Cooper? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't he confirmed to be a swinger? Is that a thing? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. He, he is. He is a, a Renaissance man. He is. Yeah. He's just probably whatever you think of. I know he's kinky. I know he has uh-huh. a dungeon. Yeah, okay. Def- definitely has a dungeon. I mean, he definitely. Has I would a be point. shocked if he wasn't a swinger. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. But we were on um, in the background. I say we were on. We were in the background of Fool Us. So in like one of the first episodes, the pilot really? show. Yeah. So like well, no, no, season two, I think it was like after they'd done the the, the first season. Yeah. And so if you if you're really staring hard through the crowds that run Fool Us, you'll see the bed hoppers. Yeah. <laughs> but we weren't bed hoppers then. We were just like we just, un- unknowns. Just well, pieces of shit in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we were there, which is cool. But you know, long story short, Pendulette has a great voice, and <laughs> Cooper also has a very nice voice. And the two <laughs> things were like synonymous for me. I was like, oh, I could listen to this all day. Well, okay, that's very nice. Thank you. We've, we've Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We've blown a lot of smoke up your ass. You've better be fucking good now, man. I tell yeah, you. No pressure. No pressure. You have a lot to live no up pressure, to. But you are going to do all the talking. So for <laughs> people that might not have encountered you before, and if they haven't, yes. like, where the fuck have they been? Yeah, go T- Tell us about yourself, Cooper. Go on. <laughs> Um, well, where, where they may have encountered me, let's go there. It's, uh, I, I co-created life on the swing set with Dylan Thomas, uh, 11 years ago. And since then we've basically, we, we looked at it as wanting in a place that we can tell people how to swing better. I mean, cause I, I feel like I have strong opinions on <laughs> how people can swing better, uh, especially these days but back then i i felt that too and so we thought well let's put together a podcast because we can pick up chicks <laughs> and nice. uh and you know we thought it wouldn't be a lot of work we were wrong <laughs> um but yeah that that that's i can't even believe it's 11 years ago and uh then I turned my my writing for the Life on the Swing Set website into the book, My Life on the Swing Set. <laughs> I was real creative there and, and <laughs> got, got people very confused. Uh, I've written a few other books on non-monogamy and I'm working on a new one with Ginger, uh, uh, an actual introduction to non-monogamy rather than, you know, another novel. Oh, wow. When's that coming out? <laughs> we got to write it first. <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. That's why he keeps looking over his shoulder. He's still typing. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the Murder, She Wrote theme playing in the yeah. background slightly. So we met Cooper in like a year and a bit ago. Yeah. In November 2019. Yes. In the before times. In, yeah, in the in before, the before COVID, times. COVID yeah. times. Quite a way ago. Mm-hmm. And it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. Um, we were oh. a little bit starstruck, I'm going to be honest. I was a bit drunk, actually. You, that could have been any time. That would have, that would have been any time, to be No, fair. I'm not going to lie. I was actually pretty hammered when I met him. <laughs> I was like, that's Cooper. I'm going to go and say hello to him. <laughs> Why have you turned into a loud? I t- well, I was, because I was... Um, I probably had like quite a few mimosas and negronis by that point. So and in- I was laying around on a daybed getting sunburned as you do. And then cast my eyes over to the hot tub. I was like, that's Cooper. I know it is. Swaggered <laughs> over to him. I was like, you've got a really nice voice. You sent me to sleep. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> uh, do you want to quantify that a little bit? No, Just, not at all. No, you should do. Why? Because it would be rude not to. Right. What, what do you mean? <laughs> well, what? how does he send you to sleep? Oh, because of his amazing audiobooks where he narrates his own novels because he's got some novels. You've got some novels. Got some novels. Got some novels. Yeah. So one of our <clears throat> our first things that we listened to when we were doing our whole research about jumping into the lifestyle was Coop's book. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We we had quite a few journeys we had to make, um, which took many hours. And in between listening to podcasts about swinging and stuff, we listened to his novels. It's a ringing endorsement. If you need to fill many hours <laughs> on your long journeys, plug <laughs> it in with Cooper's novels. <laughs> That's so, what yeah, audiobooks we, are yeah, for, really, we, we to fill to many hours. Yeah, it was one of the few things I tolerated. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So, so, so really, that's the endorsement, is 
Cooper S. Beckett is tolerable and will put you to sleep. Hang on. So well, on these journeys that she's talking about, and I remember these journeys, we got to a certain point in the road and, and Mrs. H would make me bring her off. Now, I'm not sure if that's to do with Wait the... Wait a minute. You've just associated this with Cooper's voice. <laughs> yeah. Is, is this to do with Cooper's voice? Is is Cooper the instigator for me bringing my wife off? I don't know. Maybe it's a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Literally can't climax unless I hear his voice. <laughs> well, I really wish I'd known that at Desire. <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> so I would have played things differently. Well, maybe so. <laughs> or said things differently, perhaps. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Whispered. Walking around with a loudspeaker. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if it would come across on bullhorn as much, you know. Well, I've actually just commissioned Cooper to read me all the Harry Potter novels. <laughs> you say commissioned like there was an exchange of money. Well, mm, I think commanded was the phrase that we should be <laughs> using really here. Or at least asked nicely. So the reason oh, we brought me. Cooper on was to find out a bit, of mo- mm. bit more about him, yes. but also mm. talk about polyamory as yes. well. Yes. Fascinating subject. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's all right. (laughs) Why have we brought Cooper on to talk about polyamory? Well, do you want to ask him that? Well, we will in a second. All right. Go on then. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, some of your novels, I think, have have kind of been based around the subject of polyamory. Mm. Yeah. In fact, we have one in our bathroom right now, I think. (laughs) The title evades me, but it's got polyamory in it somewhere. (laughs) But there is polyamory in there. Yes, I knew that. Yeah. Uh, I know that because I won it in Desire. Hang on. So you're saying that, that Cooper has been awarded one of the rare Bedhopper toilet books <laughs> yeah. in, in the house, um, along oh, with the Transformers toy buying guide <laughs> and Retro Gamer Monthly. So it's a, it's a prestigious award. I mean, it really wow, is. That is that How is do you something. feel about this? You've made it to the bathroom. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I It's the only book where the pages aren't stuck together, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear me. Okay, right, let's try and get some some sense out of all this, because you're dealing with a wife who's had a couple of Negronis now. I know, this is why I was reluctant to make that second one. (laughs) Well, you know, could have been magic, but... All right, let's let's start. Let's start. See, you two are in cocktail mode, and it's lunchtime for me. <laughs> it's, well, it's join the party. That's a cocktail time, surely. <laughs> Desire time. That's the thing, right? That, that's true. That's true. Yeah. The, the key is just never stop drinking. <laughs> that's how you survive desire. Just never. <laughs> Do you know Stop, what? because otherwise then, right. you, then <laughs> you have a hangover. Then you have to deal with it. Yeah. Well, it, you see, going to Desire, I, I went to the gym four times while I was there. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. No, I don't right. even know you. <laughs> but I still had a cocktail. When I <laughs> In your bottle. It wasn't electrolytes. It was actually just mimosas. <laughs> no, I, I, needed, I needed the reset because it was, it was fun times, but I needed to step away for a half an hour, an hour. And then come back into it, and and also have that superior. Hey, what have you been doing this morning? Ugh. Lying by the bed. I went to the gym. You're so Jedi, honestly. <laughs> God's sake, so Jedi. Anyway, so let's talk about polyamory. All right, let's okay. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, so, Cooper. Yes. We thought it'd be really interesting if you gave us a little bit of context around, may- not not your journey, because, you know, we hate referring to journeys, but actually maybe just a little bit of context around 
kind of how you you became non-monogamous, maybe? Mm. Well, and the non-monogamy journey. Yes. Uh, it was... <laughs> <laughs> so my my ex-wife and I got married very young and we had not had experience with other people and like uh good American former Catholic Midwesterners we didn't talk about wanting to fuck other people but both of us did want to do that and so we were in um relationship well we were in marriage counseling uh and independent therapy and both of us were telling our therapist we just we want to fuck other people and our therapist kept saying well you should talk to each other you should talk to each other um without telling us you know that your partner is saying the exact same thing as you so you really should talk to each other uh and when when we finally did talk to each other it was like well what do we do about that because before before I really knew non-monogamy was still a thing, it was that you get divorced. That's what you do about wanting to fuck other people uh, because you don't do that while you're married. So we, we thought, okay, I guess that's where we're headed. And I was um, talking to a friend of mine. I had a portrait studio at the time and I was doing a lot of boudoir and nude photography. And she said, uh, well, your lifestyle, right? And I said, I don't know what that means, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> and and she told me, well, it's swinging. I say, wait a minute, that's still a thing? That's still a thing that people do? <laughs> She's like, yeah, that is a thing that people do. So meanwhile, my uh, my partner and I are thinking, well, we we don't want to get divorced. And so I threw out, well, there's always swinging. <laughs> and we we had a good laugh and then we thought well okay i mean wh what's the worst case scenario here is we try it it doesn't work and we get divorced that's already what we're talking about so really there's no downside to trying this and we got on Lifestyle Lounge, which was a big site at the time, and we sort of got bullied into our first date by a couple who wasn't having any of our, yeah, we should get together sometime. It's like, no, yeah, we'll get together Sunday, <laughs> Sunday night. We'll get together Sunday night. It's like, oh, I don't know if we're, you're free, you're fine. Just We'll, we'll get together Sunday night. And so, yeah, that was the beginning of uh, non-monogamy there. But since that point, and and clearly you've kind of explored quite a lot of different things, you've moved from swinging to something a bit more complex. Can you tell us yes. a bit about that? Well, I mean, I, so when I first started swinging, I read uh, Tristan Taramino's Opening Up, which is still my favorite book about non-monogamy. And the poly stuff scared the shit out of me <laughs> because it seemed so dangerous you know, like I could, I could get the idea of disconnecting love from sex and then you have, you're having sexy time over here, but you're not fucking with the, the loving relationship that you're supposed to have, you know, just you and your partner. Um, but then over time, uh, first of all, we had, uh, Shira B. Katz join life on the swing set and she was our connection to the poly world at that time. So she sort of inoculated us, 
against the fear of polyamory. And at a certain point, you know, like my swinging was always close personal friendships with people. Like I wanted to have a group of friends. I wanted to be, uh, to, to have regular dates with people. So that was, that was what swinging looked like for us. And so we're making these intense personal connections with people. And at certain point you have to recognize the fact that if you love your friends, Really, what's the difference? Where is that line? Because it all gets very blurry in there. And at that point, I realized, you know, I don't know. I didn't know at that time a single swinger who wasn't developing these deeper emotional uh, connections with people. They didn't call them love. They didn't call them relationships. They didn't call them poly. But they were developing these connections. and. All the poly people I knew were having casual sex like crazy. So therefore, it occurred to me that it is basically one thing with two somewhat extreme ends. There's a bit of a scale, isn't there, between the two two things? And yeah, I think it's I the spectrum of, of like uh, hetero and homosexual. You know, everybody is pretty much somewhere in the middle. And then there are outliers. So there are the swingers who don't want to know people's names, who don't want to connect at all. They just want to go meet someone, fuck, and then be done. That's swinger extreme. And then there are poly extremes, which is the people who just want to build poly fidelity, which is two couples or a triad that they're basically monogamous at that point. And that's the poly extreme. But most of us are somewhere in the middle here. And what's great about that is that we can slide back and forth based on who we're interacting with. Because some people I do want to have a full on relationship with other people. I want to have fun, flighty sex based relationship with them. And what's great about where I'm at now is. I don't have to choose that in advance. I can let it be what it is. And that felt really freeing to me when, when I realized that, because why jump out of the monogamy box into the swinger box? It's still a box. Why not jump into non-monogamy, which is a much larger space, you know? It, it, it really is. Uh, but I think there is something around the um, lots of people come from, come from different ends. So some people kind of put the poly hat on and that's where they start. And some people put mm -hmm. the swinger hat on and that's where they start. But, and it feels like often when they, when they do that at first, it's like, I'm never doing that. I couldn't do this right. for the, for the love and I couldn't do this for the sex. And I hate those guys over there. And I hate those guys over <laughs> yes, there. Yes, it, yes. And, and that's, that's something that we've really encountered as, as we've gone along. How's, what's your experience been in that world? Oh, there's, there's, first of all, no one, no one oppresses like someone who's oppressed. And so, uh, these, these little communities of people who've spent their lives being the dirty friend, 
you know, the dirty swingers or those <laughs> dirty weirdo poly people, they immediately turn into the bully when it becomes, oh, well, I'm not like those fucking swingers <laughs> or I'm, I'm not like those weirdo cult poly people. And <laughs> it's, it's an immediate gut reaction from a lot of people that, th- that my version of this is fine. But that it, that version that's like four levels beyond, that's not fine anymore. And that's a shame because that's true of the BDSM community. That's true of the fucking LGBT community. They do the same thing to buy people and trans people. If they're not lesbian or gay, they're somehow not oppressed enough or inferior or it's, it's, it's all a lot of bullshit and it's all just a way to feel somewhat superior to the other people i think honestly i think there's the the feeling superior but also i think there's a a level of um being afraid and i think Mm -hmm. you know i one of the things that we we, when we started and we started very much in the in in the swing camp however (laughs) there was a phrase it sounds like space camp it's it's probably a lot more exciting than that though (laughs) we just want to to dabble a little bit isn't we with other things. Well, yeah, but I, I think, you know, polyamory and, and falling in love with people was actually kind of a bit scary because we sure. we kind of were like, well, actually, the one thing that we want to protect out of all of this is our relationship. And actually, mm-hmm. falling in love with someone was, was, was quite scary. But as we've gone on, what we found is that actually we do love our friends and we do love the people that we play with often. Sure. It's not always the case, but, but you do right. kind of develop relationships so we've kind of kind of felt most comfortable in this sort of gray space in between that's kind Mm of it's swing plus poly less whatever you want to call it (laughs) you know whichever one but those relationships that we've developed that are kind of somewhere in between where you can see people more than once and you can develop a relationship have been i think i've i've kind of gone with this this obvious um, revelation, I suppose, for myself that mm-hmm. actually I don't want to just have sex with people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just just have sex with people and then never see them again. Right. I, I actually makes it really awkward with me as your husband. Though <laughs> you got to see me again. Um, um, I think maybe I didn't really realise this until <clears throat> until we were fairly established. In, in what we were doing, that the, the sex meant more to me when there was a connection. Sure. And yeah. actually, if I just wanted to go out and have sex with someone that I didn't know and I didn't want to see again, then of course you can do that. Of course, there's, right. a, there's a platform there for you to, to do whatever you want to do that just gives you that, that thrill. I, Absolutely. I, I don't want that. I, I find that I want, I want this sapiosexual thrill i want the flirting i want the thrill of a chase i want to know what's in someone's mind i want i want all that i want the connection and i want yeah then to be the final bit to be actually you you've i've kind of got into your mind a bit now and we we've had that connection and now now that's what i want i want this this sexual thing and i think that surprised me as well that that's kind of where where the attraction lay for me and part of me asked myself what 
But what if, <laughs> what if the unthinkable happens and you start developing feelings for people because you've allowed yourself to have those intimate connections, those mind connections? Mm-hmm. And those are the conversations that me and Mr. H had, I suppose, from very early on in the journey. About well, that's the conversation that yeah. I, everyone who asks about Polly or who, who is getting into swinging is worried about that one yeah. thing that yeah. what if, what if, um, and you know, I get it cause I was worried about that too, completely. Mm-hmm. But what I sort of had started to realize is, you know, monogamy, people look at it as though it's like saran wrap around their relationship (laughs) it's protective Mm -hmm. but it's not monogamy is an illusion it's a choice that we make you know then the choice is that we are only going to be together and we are not going to go out and fuck other people that's that's what monogamy is so if i meet someone at a bar while i'm monogamous i may be just as likely to develop a long-term um affair and then relationship with that person. And by why well, I think the, the problem with reacting based on fear is then you're, you're clinging to an idea and that idea is we will always be together. If you're staying together out of fear of losing each other, that's, that's a toxic way to look at your relationship. And, uh, I found the same thing with the idea of needing each other. That's also somewhat toxic because that puts you in the same category as I need to drink or I need drugs. It's, it's a need is not a want. It's not a desire. It's not a choice. And the thing about relationships that we all have to reckon with is anyone can leave at any time. Period. We don't even need a fucking reason. We could walk out the door and never look back. That's the reality of it. And when you reckon with that reality, then you recognize that every day when you wake up, you are choosing to remain in your relationship. Every day you are choosing to be with this person you're with. And that is a beautiful thing. When you look at it that way, that that choice is something active. And so you're choosing to not leave, even if you find the, the mythical better, <laughs> you know, because that's what we're worried. Mm-hmm. For me, this, this kind of stems back to that sort of relationships take a fuck ton of work. Yeah. And, and you choose to do it, but that doesn't mean that choice is easy and that you but also that you don't put a lot of effort into that choice. Right. And if you nurture it in the right way, then great. But, but actually, if, if you don't, then, then you are at the risk of someone going, fuck off, I'm going to do my own thing as well. Right. And that, that's kind of been at, the, at mm-hmm. the back of our minds. You know, we kind of, we like to put the effort in because it's good to do that. We, we feel like it's a really rewarding thing, but don't, don't get us wrong. We, is an active choice and it is a, an effort that we kind of go to, to, to make the effort for each other. Because it, if we didn't, then why would you stay with somebody to a certain extent? Exactly. Mm. And the reason most people do is because of inertia, you know, and the, the inertia of, Hey, we're married. So let's not upset that. Let's inertia not- sounds like a really shit DC movie <laughs> villain. Like, 
no, uh, no, it's interesting because you know society and, and normals will tell us that you know we're, we're drip fed to believe that we should be following the or- the orthodox relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you 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 grow up, you fall in love, you get married, you have two point two children, and you live in your semi detached house, and you have this this perfect. You know, this is what your life should be because we're telling you this is what society right. is telling you you should do. So <laughs> it's really quite exciting and. You know, it, it's all it goes against every societal norm that we know to say, oh, oh yeah. no, 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 actually, I fancy other people. And actually, if you fancy other people too, that's okay. We can both fancy other people and we can both do this right. stuff. And actually, we're not broken. How about that? <laughs> I think there was a moment, though, I think, in our, our sort of journey, and I hate the phrase journey. It's, anyway, in, in, <laughs> so in, in, in our progress or whatever it is. In your, on your timeline. On our timeline, yeah. A notable moment, notable on, the moment on the timeline. And, and we, we met a, a, a couple, and we were about a year and a half in, and someone said to us, like, oh, so you guys are, like, poly now with them. Yes, and we were we were kind of a bit aghast at that because it just sure. had it, it was like, well, no, we ju- we just like that couple. They're just we've seen them more than once. Yeah, but <laughs> we've seen them more than once. But also that that the um, I think for us it was one of the first times when um, it all clicked and worked mm-hmm. amazingly, not just well, but amazingly. And our our first year and a half two years in in the lifestyle and being swingers was a rocky road so gentle listener you you know if you've listened to any of the shows especially the early ones you'll have noticed that it, we fucked things up a lot i mean it's in a fucking theme tune we fuck things up and make mistakes if only you could remember it <laughs> well yeah if only you can remember how to play it but but it was it was a moment where we kind of went oh actually this poly thing doesn't it doesn't feel as scary because actually we feel like we're all on the same page and we're all connected. But yeah. someone saying that's what it might be scared the scary. shit out yeah. of us mm. because it was like, oh my God. And and they said, well, you, you love them, don't you? And we were like, you know what? We do. We do love them. Yeah. And we tell them that we, we love them when we spoke to them. And, and that was kind of a bit of a revelation for, for us because we kind of... We kind of always said, well... We'll it, keep emotion out of we'll it. We'll keep emotion out of it. And if, yeah. if love starts to creep in, we'll, we kind of back away because we want mm. to protect our relationship. That was our kind of the old trained swing brain. I guess, you know, you get like lizard brain, maybe there's swing brain. There is. <laughs> there is. There is. Uh, and that sort of kicked in a bit. But actually, the more we explored that relationship, the more it felt like that. You know what? If, if circumstances were different... From where we are, and and because you know, unfortunately, we don't live in the same place as them, and it's not really a, as feasible as a relationship in that way. But if we were there, then mm. that may be a different situation, and that that mm. may trigger us to to behave differently. But but someone saying that to us was a it felt like a real slap in the face. We were like, yeah. oh oh shit, and and we kind of. We, we we sat down. And went, no, 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 we're not. It's, it's not us. It's, it's, but but the more we talked about it, the more we kind of felt. Well, we love them, and they get us, and we get them, and and actually, that's a real thing. It's, it's interesting. I think it, it's almost like this amygdala hijack. You know, where you, you've got this amygdala reaction of the f- flight 
fight freeze mm-hmm. thing, you know, and you're like, what? This is an emotion I hadn't anticipated. And I'm welcoming the, the emotion because it makes me feel good and it makes us both feel right. good. And it actually felt kind of normative to, to kind of sit there and say, we feel more than what we expected for a couple yeah. of people. But what got me was that I think it really demonstrated that those other relationships that we'd had up to that point were fucking terrible. <laughs> and it kind of really made you feel, well, actually, when it works, when it clicks, when it happens, when it snaps, this can yeah. be so much more than just fucking somebody else. This can be a real connection. And and at that moment, I kind of started to think that the grey area in between was really interesting. Yeah, so I suppose what my, my question you know, asking myself this and asking you guys this would be if you're starting to develop feelings for the people that you're having these connections with, and it, it doesn't mean you want to move in with them and share a space, <laughs> but right. it means that it, you're feeling more than just, oh, hey, you're free Saturday, let's have sex. It, it's more than that. It's kind of actually your people that we want to spend time with more and more, and we've we've got those intricate connections now where we we know about your personalities and we know about your relationship and we've got this insight into you know this this whole jahari window of like you've shared some info with me and i'm going to share some of my space with you as well and you kind of start building these intricate relationships without even realizing they're forming Mm -hmm. so i guess my question then is what what is polyamory then you know because <laughs> i wouldn't you, you know you wouldn't define yourself maybe as oh yeah we're polyamorous and we we're in love with this couple right but actually we've told a couple that we we feel strong connections to them the thing is you don't need to be polyamorous that's the thing we don't need to be swingers we don't need to be polyamorous we need to develop the relationships that work for us and work for the people we are interacting with. And the reason it felt like you were slapped in the face when someone said you're poly is because that relationship felt normal to you. Absolutely. And you didn't Mm. consider yourself poly. So when it was pointed out that you were poly, suddenly it didn't feel normal anymore. And that's the thing we've, we've coached ourselves to believe certain things. And so if, if a couple, if two couples are going out and seeing each other weekly and then suddenly it's, it's a, you know, we're having poly feelings for you that could lead to the end of the fucking relationship because of the word poly, Mm. you know, we love spending time with you is a whole different thing. But it isn't a different thing. Ultimately, it's the same thing. We're all making a certain level of connection with each other. And just like we don't have every person we interact with isn't our best friend. You know, some people are six-month friends. We'll see them every six months. That's that's our relationship. Some people are, I need to see you every day because you are my best fucking friend. And why should intimate relationships be any different you know the lie of all of it is that sex changes things it doesn't it's just another thing you can do with the person 
it's just another level of connection. You know, some people you you uh, you go to uh, camp with, some people you fuck, some people you <laughs> skydive with, some people you fuck, some people you have long, intense, candlelit dinners with. But they're all just connections. And so if every relationship can be exactly what it is, it doesn't need to be expected to be more. And I think that's the fear there is if I say to someone, I want to have a poly relationship with you, they have the expectations of what that means. And they're already judging whether or not they can meet those expectations, not mine. Because we haven't discussed what my expectations are. And so when whenever I start a new relationship, and it doesn't happen often these days, uh, it's this is what I like in a relationship. But just before COVID happened, I went out on a first date with, uh, with a woman who was just starting to explore uh, actually being open. Like she and her partner were open for their entire relationship but they never really dated. So she was just starting to explore that. And so I made it very clear. Look, I, I like someone that I can check in with daily. I don't need extensive daily conversations, but I like a little, hi, how you doing? Did you sleep good? I like that. You know, I, I like, uh, a, a date every other week or so, you know, I don't need more than that. I don't, I don't need, uh, to, to meet your parents. I don't need you to meet my parents because ultimately when you talk about relationship buildup, all of us are thinking of monogamy. We're not thinking abstractly about it. We're thinking of that stupid train that mm. we're on where eventually we, one of us dies and the relationship's a success. <laughs> that's, that's monogamy. But if you look at everything individually, it's so fulfilling to be able to go somewhere like desire. And at the end of the week to tell people that you love them because you've, you've engaged in a transcendent experience with them. To be able to share I love you is so amazingly powerful, and we are afraid to use it because of what else it implies. Mm. And that's a, that's a shitty thing about monogamy. That's a shitty thing about society at large. But it's especially a shitty thing about swinging because we're already opening ourselves up and being so vulnerable sexually, which is a vulnerable space. To then cut off the possibility of having an emotional interaction with someone just because we're afraid of what might happen. <laughs> I mean, we, we're all afraid of what might happen, but we can't live our lives based on what might happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you said to me five years ago that, you know, one day I would hear Mr. H say, hey, I love you to someone else. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I might well have have just like lost my shit and gone. Oh, no, we've been together nearly right. twenty years. I, you know, he would never say that to anyone else in in the context of a relationship unless it's with me. And there is Yoko. I mean, <laughs> well, she's obviously, a dog. Well, there's always knows Yoko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yoko is number one. We know that. I am. Know your, know your role, wife. <laughs> I know my role. <laughs> All right, Jabroni. <laughs> um, 
Absolutely. So, you know, five years ago, if you said that I might hear Mr. H utter those words to someone else in any context, I might be like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, that, that, that is a trigger. That's, that's a hard hard boundary for me i don't feel now so i just happy. chuck it out to everybody it's fine i've said it so much that and, just, you know, there's no value in it <laughs> you know as as we've kind of progressed and you know we've evolved in what we're doing and you know we've we've absolutely developed um relationships with, with people along the way over the last few years that i would absolutely say is is closer than just casual sex mm-hmm. you know to to hear him now say to people, hey guys, I, you know, I love you. Like, actually, <laughs> it makes me feel closer to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually makes me feel I'm sharing something with him. And I, it doesn't make me feel threatened now. It doesn't make me feel like, oh my God, that means he's going to want to leave me and go and run off with somebody and have a relationship with someone else. Think, it doesn't mean that anymore to me. But it me. depends on the presentation of that. One of the things that, that strikes me is that how you present the I love you is really important as well, because I think you can present I love you as a group and as a couple, mm-hmm. as a, hey guys, we really love you. I, I think that that's probably more acceptable than telling someone directly. People are doing that because they're caught up in the kind of, oh my God, we're doing something that society frowns on. No, I, I think or this... Or because for, certainly, they genuinely love people. I think for us that there is a, there is, there's a, hey, love you guys, you guys are cool. But I think there is a genuine, hey, we love you as a couple. And it tends to be a couple... Um, because that's the interactions that we yeah, tend to have. Yeah, but one or two couples out there, I'd say that we do love really deeply. And and I think, you know, that we're very, very comfortable with. But but I think that is a bit of a world away from me going out and doing my own thing and telling somebody else that I love them. If I was to do that, you would hunt that person down and <laughs> stab them in the eye. Me? Yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah. You're saying I would stab someone in the eye? Yes. You're probably right. Yeah. So, so say some girl starts messaging me, <laughs> oh, and God, I, I go on a date with her, and I went, "Hey, I love you." What would you do? Stab her in the eye. There we go. Right. So, <laughs> I think there is. So, but what we found is, is that actually uh, our experience and our what we're looking for are those sort of couple connections. I sure. think we 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 are more on the the swing side of things, but but that grey area that's kind of a real deep connection and and that where you can see people more often and that, that you can build those relationships and that can turn 100% into love but i think it's it's very much as a group kind of mm-hmm. thing i think for us the the concept of chucking ourselves a, a, a individual relationships probably feels too risky you know i i sure. we, i wouldn't be comfortable with that and i don't think you would be Hence the eye stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's not restrict this to the optics. You know, I could stab any you could, area. You could stab someone in the jugular, wherever you like. Could. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> they, they've only earned your hatred through my love, which is, you know, a normal thing. But but that's kind of where we've we felt the most comfortable. And what, but what I love about this is that you set your own standards, you set your own thought, and you go, you know what, this is okay, this is where we're cool, mm-hmm. this is where we get the most value. We like having a core individual person, mm. but but as a couple, we, we like expanding those relationships. And they've expanded more than we ever anticipated. 
I would agree with the anticipation thing. We we never really thought this anticipation. Would <laughs> I actually don't think we we anticipated it would go. Uh, it would it would expand to these realms right. of, of feeling feelings. Oh my god, feeling feelings for other people. But it's true. We I I think it's it's fairly obvious now that we we do feel feelings for other people and that's not a bad thing it's it's no. something that we've we've kind of explored and come to terms with it doesn't mean we're in love with people but it does right. mean that we've got more than a passing attraction to people i, 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 mean, I, would, I would say that most uh, of the swingers i've ever met feel far more like you do mm-hmm than they will ever admit. What is this thing you call love? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's it's because, and I, I mean, I keep going back to it's fear, and that's all it is. And we let fear dictate our lives way more than we should. And a lot of the greatest things that can happen happen because of free fall. You know, that decision to be a swinger is free fall. That the first time you see your partner fuck someone else, mm. you have no idea how you're going to react to that until it happens. Yeah. You may have uh, academic thoughts of it, like, ooh, I would react similarly to in this situation. It's but a roll of the dice. you have no idea mm-hmm. what it's actually yeah. going to be like. 100%. It's a, it's a roll of the dice, take your chance moment. Yeah. So you are taking this huge fucking risk. And, you know, if, if you become a swinger, then it pays off tremendously. And, like, the best things in my life have come from taking massive risks, massive freefall risks. And that doesn't make me any more likely to take risks because I still <laughs> am afraid of risks. But what I, what I'll tell people is if you, if you are listening to this now and thinking, well, I could never feel that way. I could never be comfortable with, with your level or my level. My challenge would be to actually think about how you feel about the people you fuck because you might already be at that level and you just didn't think about it. You didn't talk about it because you're afraid. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting completely emotionless sex. I mean, I don't believe there is completely emotionless sex, but there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong if you want just purely surface shit. That's fine. But there's a good chance you're, you're already on your road here. And... I think the best thing that could happen to the swinger community or the poly community is to stop recognizing them as independent communities. <laughs> I agree. And start recognizing them as the spectrum they are. It, it, it is a spectrum and it is a kind of gray mix in between. And like you said before, there's a, an extremist either side or extremes either mm-hmm. side. But, but the, the middle bit is, is it, it's not unpleasant at all. I think the, the, the Problem for me was that it was a shock to realize that we were in that middle bit. Sure, but, yeah. But, but once you get your head around that, 
actually, that that wasn't so bad. I, I, I want to understand, Coop, though. What, so what's your current situation, if we may, might ask? We've been in a long-term relationship with our third uh, for it'll be five years now. Wow. Which is congratulations in poly time. You know, that just doesn't happen. So we're obviously very happy with that. But at the same time, like I go to, I go to play parties. I go to desire. I love casual sex. (laughs) I also love developing, uh, meaningful interactions with people in, and, the the other thing about it is I think we're so afraid of coming across as needy and this is monogamy brain again, that we, we have such a hard time admitting how intense an emotional connection can be in a short time. Cause like I can go to desire and meet someone and spend a couple hours talking to them and know that I want them in my life for the rest of my, for the rest of my life. I, I can know that there and I can do that at, at play parties too. I can tell when I want to have a long-term relationship with someone. Obviously I don't immediately say I want to have a long-term relationship <laughs> with you because that's terrifying. And why would I say that? <laughs> but I can tell when something is, when something is surface and when something is deeper and I always always will prioritize that deeper connection to, to surfacey. Uh, so, I mean, I always will say like, I'm, I'm right on the line because sometimes I'm swinger and sometimes I'm poly. I'm, but you can make the argument that I'm always poly if I've been in a five-year relationship, but at the same time, you can make that argument that I'm always swinger. So really that's, that's what, being on the line is I, I judge every relationship independently. I don't know what kind of relationship I'm going to be in with someone until I've, until we're in it. Well, I don't know. It, it's like any kind of experience, I guess, until you sample it, then, then how do you know? And, and sometimes right. there's an amazing connection and sometimes you think there's going to be the most amazing connection and, and then you get together and it's just not. And right. And something evolves out of that, and that's the thing. You kind of, you 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 don't kind of know, but but I think it's that being open to the concept of the fact that this could be more than just just a little thing. I think that's the right. the important bit. That that's what shocked us. I think when we got to that point, it was right. like, oh oh, we like these people. Didn't we, think about that. Yeah, we didn't yeah. didn't mm, recognize. And actually, didn't that was really the thing. think they would um, make us feel as okay as we felt. I think right. the other thing to to really put into perspective is, and, and something that we've learned throughout this journey is that relationships shrink and grow, mm-hmm. and they change, they they evolve, and and a relationship that was all guns blazing, uh, you know, for the first day, week, year, whatever, doesn't it? Do, it doesn't necessarily have to be around forever, and it doesn't right. have to, you know, you you can you can step away from it, you can come back to it, but sometimes that that takes a while to get your head around the idea. And you know what I loved about the whole swinging piece is that there's there's friends that we'd see once or twice a year, and and that's fine. That's that's for that right. couple. That's perfect. But for other people, it's kind of like we want to see them every weekend, and and that's okay right. too. But you kind of have to get your head around the fact that that that's how that relationship works, and that's how you feel about those people. 
And that's the value of taking the lid off because you're not stopping it at a certain point. You're just letting it evolve into what it is. You know, everybody finds equilibrium. There, there is a point where this is, this is what this relationship is. And, uh, when I mentioned the, the, uh, we're in a relationship until somebody dies, that truly is <laughs> the goal of monogamy is that you will be in a relationship until one of you dies. It's the thing we don't talk about, but that is the end game because otherwise, I mean, what other way is there for a relationship to end? That's acceptable <laughs> divorce. No cheating. No break. <laughs> Death is the only acceptable end in monogamy. So therefore what we have to recognize is the value of relationships regardless of how they end. Like I've been talking about my ex-wife this whole time. There is not a moment I would get rid of from that relationship because that relationship is what led me to where mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. And without her, I wouldn't be non-monogamous probably. So therefore that relationship had ultimate value far greater than just oh, well, it didn't work out. We got divorced, which is how most people think of their other relationships. You know, there's value in every interaction and there's value in every relationship, no matter how long it lasts. And I think that the relationship to the death is what terrifies people about the word relationship. I agree with you. I think I, I love the idea that that actually there's value in all of these things and all of these interactions because they're all a learning experience. And every time mm -hmm. you go through something, you kind of learn, you kind of adapt. I think, in fact, we were talking about this very concept today about how, you know, nothing, you, you know, you can go through all sorts of dramas and all sorts of problems, but actually, often you don't really learn until you fuck something up. And, <laughs> yes. You know, you kind of need to, and even from a work perspective, which is what the context that we were talking about today, mm, it was. you know, you don't ever, you know, it's great being you trained. You realise what go, you've had until it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> also a, a, a Fraggle song, I believe. But you, you kind it's of, you, you don't know until you fuck it up, you get it wrong, you go, fuck me, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to learn from this. Right. And you chuck in. And that's exactly the same relationships. Uh, and swinging encounters, you kind of start off. And if you're really lucky, it goes great. But if you're like us, it goes fucking terribly for a long <laughs> while. And, and you keep chucking yourselves at the wall to see if it sticks. And then eventually you, you kind of go, oh shit, like this is... This is something more than what we expected. You do know that we'll never, ever switch up unless I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Just I, well, wanted the, to put that in there. The collar that you make me wear that means if I go more than 30 mm. metres away from you, then my neck blows up. It probably helps. I, if you I, leave me, I will find you. <laughs> I know. It's, you're like a really shit Christopher Lambert movie. Thanks, I mean, babe. <laughs> Night Moves. Everyone should watch Night Moves. I'm sure it was Fortress. I'm, I'm not it's convinced. It's fucking Night Moves, I'm telling you. That is the movie. Oh, Night Moves. Right? About chess? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. We had this conversation in the night. there's a serial killer in it, yeah, I think. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. was. Mr. H is like, nah. No, I, I'm movie. thinking of the, the weird film where they all wear neck collars and if they go more than That's Battle Royale. 
Don't, no, that's not Battle a... Royale. There was another film where oh, that happened. Great. It's not like an original concept. I'm going to be no, honest. It was not. Well, <laughs> not anyway, yeah. for the purposes of this this episode, we're talking about Christopher Lambert in Night Moves. Uh, for the purposes of me <laughs> editing the podcast, I'm going to be right. Oh, bringing the editing out. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's the, I'd say it was the big guns, but I've not been able to go Just to the to gym reiterate, for a while. If you so, ever leave uh, me, I will find you. I know. I know. And, and well, I will, I will, I will take us back to what you were saying about fucking up and being that's the great value. It is just like working out. You're tearing your muscles, 100%. you're damaging your muscles in order to build them up. So everything we do, we are ultimately damaging our idea of ourselves from yesterday into our idea of ourselves today. And recognizing that as evolution is fine, as as emotional growth is fine, and you're you're not finished. That's the most important thing I learned in non-monogamy was when I got married, I thought, this is me now. Uh This is me forever. Because that's what I was led to believe. Yeah. You know, movies end with they they get together and that's it. That's the the movie. <laughs> so therefore, they never grow and change and evolve because that's not the story. If only there was a good movie that showed this in a really positive light. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was saying. You know, society drip feeds you into this yeah. this this lullaby that monogamy is. Is, is the orthodox way. That's what you should do. You should fall in love. You should have your happily ever after. And that's what you should have. And you should be happy with your lot in life because mm. that's actually what you should do. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't counter for the fact that actually it's okay to fancy other people. But this this is the thing for me is that, that uh, you know, there's that step and then you kind of go up a bit and the next level is kind of, okay, I've chosen my camp. <laughs> I'm in the poly camp. The same camp, and and really, it's the same thing, just yeah. a little bit tweaked. Yeah. And if if everyone can kind of get on the same page, actually, it's not that different, and it's all okay, and it's fine. <laughs> then there's so much more power behind everybody to kind of convince all of the people that are um, yes. muggles to, that this is a this is this is fine, and this is acceptable and exciting and fun and something. Hey, people should try. And that's that's the thing I've been preaching since the beginning is we are we are all similar enough, even if even if you don't want to go with swinging and poly are the same thing. We're similar enough that we should be on the same side of the argument. You know, the argument is against the deviants and the deviants are us. (laughs) So therefore, the deviants can stand together or they can throw each other down in the mud, which is what we do right now. (laughs) I think I'm contractually obliged at this point to say, and the more people that are in the on the side of the deviants, the more the more choice there is for everybody. You make it sound like a cult. That's that's very true. One of us. One of us. (laughs) You know, I I need at this point, I think, I wanted to just um very briefly touch on something that I heard in the very early days of me listening to Cooper's audiobooks. Oh. Something that really, really uh, struck a chord with me and actually I, I think back to quite a lot and that's the analogy you used about Schrodinger's cat. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Do you want, want me to give that uh, to your listeners? You, you can, you but 
No, no, absolutely. I want you to expand on that. But oh. for me, when I listened to it, uh, it was it was so 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 relevant because you made this point that guess what? You don't get to play with anyone if you don't just yeah. take a leap of faith. So, I like the way you said, "No, no, Coop, you don't need to." Ex- no, you, I, I want, want you to I explain want, the point, and then to, proceeded to explain the no, fucking point. I want Cooper to explain it in his own way because for me, actually, it was the one part of the, the whole novel that really kind of struck a chord to me. I like the bit when they talked about the publishers right at the no, start. It was really no, good. no. His his analogy of Schrodinger's cat was just phenomenal. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you the, yeah. the, the, give your listeners the quick version. Yeah, so, uh, take, take away the actual Schrodinger's cat argument because there's a lot of problems with it. But the idea is there's a box with a cat in it. And at the, that moment, the cat can either be alive or dead because you haven't opened the box to know whether the cat is alive or dead. Um, And so it's a lot about the idea of the binary. There are two options. But what I realized is in in, uh, non-monogamy, but specifically in approaching people you're interested in, there are – it works with this. So like in Schrodinger's Cat, uh, I can open the box and the cat is alive and I get to play with the cat. I can open the box and the cat is dead and I don't get to play with the cat. But what we don't talk about is that third option where I don't open the box and I don't get to play with the cat, (laughs) which means two out of these three options lead me to not get to play with the cat. (laughs) And I'm choosing one of those no's all by myself when I don't go over. (laughs) So if, if I, if I walk up to a woman or a man, because I'm bi, so I feel I should add that, <laughs> and say, hey, I want to fuck you. She could say yes. She could say no. She is unlikely to throw me down and stomp on my balls. <laughs> I mean, it's just not likely. So there are those two options, but the third one is I don't approach and ask which means two out of these three are bad. And I can improve my odds dramatically by simply walking up to someone <laughs> and asking. And so that, that is my, my weird take on Schrodinger's cat. It wasn't yeah. weird. I loved it. I absolutely related to it so much. And as soon as I heard you talk about it, it's like, that's it. Absolutely, it makes sense to me. It really does make sense. It really does. Unfortunately, our ability to apply the lesson is well, often yes, you know, that's me. Is marred <laughs> by by the fear that goes with life. But oh no, I and and I don't apply the lesson. You know, I, I'll make it very clear. I totally wanted to approach Mrs. H and and get really flirty, but I am intimidated by sexy people with British accents, so uh, I didn't. And so here, here's what I'm doing right now, which is I'm saying very clearly, no questions asked. I am interested in you. So, you know, maybe in November, I don't have to deal with the whole Schrodinger's cat analogy. You don't have to tell me if you're interested now. We can live. Oh, my goodness. I believe. But I'm just telling you. I believe we shared a kiss in desire. I believe you shared about eight. We shared about eight kisses. 
I, 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 I recall we, we were bombing around the pool and and one bombing so, around the bombing pool. the pool. So yeah, on holiday, Mrs H loves it if I just just like hold motor her in the water the and motor her around yeah, the pool. Yeah, I do. I it's like, like that. It, it's like I'm a lilo for her. I do am you enjoy the that? Inflatable toy that she can lie on while I do it. And while I was doing this, Coop came up. I was like, hey, can I give you a kiss to, like, to Mrs yeah. H? To be fair, you offered me as well, so that's you know, fine. It was very uh, nice. Yeah, I think an equal opportunity. Yeah. Inclusive. Yeah. Um, so there I am holding my wife while another guy is kissing her. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck am I doing this for? She, I, I was like, I'm just going to put her down in the pool and move her away from I this. I believe, <laughs> if I recall the scenario correctly, let's get this right. I, I actually was the one who offered Mr. Cooper a kiss. <laughs> First, Mr. Cooper. Mr. Cooper. He's not called Mr. No, Cooper. No, I know he's not. I've called him that. <laughs> I believe I went up to him and said, "Could I please share a kiss with you?" And I, said, I think you did too, I because did. again, I, I was dealing with the whole Schrodinger's cat yeah. dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I remember. There you go. And and what what worries me is that it was like, Mr. H, move me over to Cooper. <laughs> I wish to ask him. To I wish to ask him for her kiss. <laughs> It, you know, I think I, I did have a conversation with you beforehand. I did in Aladdin. I did say to you, I'm going to ask yeah. Cooper for a kiss. I'm going to ask him. Make way, bang the drums. Yeah. Here he comes. <laughs> You're going to love this guy. So I am. Well, just a gentle moment. listener, what I can tell you is Cooper has a phenomenal smile. Oh, well, and you. I was absolutely. Motoring over there. Motoring over. <laughs> you had to motor because you couldn't adjust the speed because someone's no, fucking no, carrying you in oh, the pool. <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. So, Coop, what I'm interested in is mm. um, before we start wrapping this up, is what mm. are your tips for people who are thinking about jumping into Polly and and getting into that? Because you've got some think, experience here. Who maybe people who think they identify with? I am polyamorous. Mm, well, uh, you so so you know how when you start swinging, you have to really kick your communication skills up a notch. Oh yeah, we know that. Or you'll or you or you may die. Let's just put it that way. You may die if you don't. Well, Polly is another notch. You have to you have to get dramatically better at communication because now you're having communication with your partner of I think I love that person. And that's a lot more complicated than hey, I think I want to fuck that person. It's not better worse. It's just more complex because there are a lot of other emotions that go along with that. So being willing to talk everything through from beginning to end and just put everything out there is key. And you know what? As as I've already proven tonight, I don't do what I say. <laughs> I just know that it's better than what I do. So therefore, you should all do what I say, not what I actually do, because it's not good. I like to think that you have like like a Twitch account on your life just so that everyone knows what page you're on. <laughs> Just live broadcasting everything. <laughs> it would get boring real quickly. I don't I don't live the life most of our listeners think I live. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, to be successful in poly is to know what you want and to know what is important to you. 
because you thought you thought swinging was complicated. Well, Polly, it's all different levels of interaction and all different levels of communication with with a new partner, with their partners, with metamors, with your Google Calendar alone <laughs> is, is the most complicated thing. But I used to have such problems saying I love you because of a bad early experience in Polly. And what I really want everybody to understand in the world is we've all been through a shit year and we are all of our skills, our emotional coping, all every interaction with other humans has changed. So now let yourself change for the better and be willing to tell people you love them, to tell people you care about them, to actually advocate for yourself and what you want. Because really, we could all die at any time. <laughs> and God. You, you, you know, we watch, we watch the stand or we read the stand <laughs> and we don't think it's going to happen. You know, it's just this fun apocalypse entertainment. But look at look at 2020. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not really even poly advocacy. That's advocacy for being genuine humans. <laughs> I, I think there's a, a save of the moment piece from this. Yeah, and, you know, carpe I, diem all over I, this bitch. One hundred percent. And, and mm -hmm. we've had that from listeners getting in touch to us, kind of going, "Holy fuck, last year was shit." Let's yeah. Let's live and let's not kind of look let's back not on waste the last any year. Moments. And and we look back on 2019. Um and 2019 was a fucking great year for us, broadly. I, know. I mean, there was no parent death. That was great. Um, you know, we we kind <laughs> of, there was no pet death. Great. We went to Australia. We went to we, we met you. We went to Mexico. 2019 we, was you know, like what you want 2020 to aspire to. Yeah, that was like a <laughs> kick-ass fucking that. year. But we lived it. Um, and I'm so glad that we did because had we not done that, I mm. think we'd have gone stir crazy in 2020 because we we just couldn't have those adventures yeah. and those moments. Yeah. And and then parents died and all sorts of shit happened. You know. But what we want to do is actually be able to look back at any time and go that we and and feel like we've made the most of it and that mm. we've bettered ourselves. And one of my mottos, very similar to what you were talking about, is yesterday I was a wanker. Is you know, and and I always feel like looking back at yesterday, God, I was such a twat. But actually, today I can be better. And yeah, you know, twenty twenty is the year of being a wanker because you couldn't do anything. So right. you know, if you're in that space where you're thinking about this stuff, or you you want to try something, or you want to be brave, it's just a you know, there's coming up as this opportunity to do it. And and we spoke quite recently. We did a podcast about um. All this time that we've got while we're locked down is an opportunity to get ready for the time when you're not locked down. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I believe that. I'm like, you know, this is, this is great. You can start having these wonderful conversations with your partner if you've got a partner. You can start thinking about this stuff. You can start, you can build your profile. You can take some sexy pics. You can start exercising. Whatever it is that you want to do to make yourself better, you've got this opportunity to do that. Because Now's the time. When that gate or door, whatever fucking metaphor you want is open. I want every bastard in this fucking world to go out and grab it by the balls and have the best fucking time that they can have. Because yes. we deserve it. We mm. are owed it and we want it. So that's kind of where my head is at. Yeah. That, that was quite ranty. Apologies. Mm. 
right there with you. <laughs> so before we close, Coop, I've, I've yes. got to ask you because uh, you are a man of great taste. <laughs> oh, well, you've my. already said okay. that you like my wife, so that's fine. So you've already passed the test. But I want to know your favorite movie, song, TV show, and book. Jesus Christ, oh, all right. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Great Scott, Marty. Okay, um, wow. my favorite movie, Toy Story 3. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, that's a classic. It's the only perfect movie I've ever seen. Oh. And only, I mean, that, that movie pulled off the best uh, poker bluff I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> when I, did you cry? <laughs> I, watching oh, that film, sob. I, I was sob. a wreck, without question. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my favorite. Uh, if if I want to be if I want to be serious guy, it's Shawshank Redemption. But oh. Toy Story three is is the greatest movie to ever. Toy made. Story three is the Shawshank Redemption of animated oh. films. <laughs> it is very very much so. Uh, okay, so favorite favorite movie favorite song. Yeah. Gosh, you're a bastard, aren't you? This one's tough. <laughs> I'm gonna. Can I give you? Two. Yeah, go on then. We'll, we'll okay. twist for you. No. Um, I only have eyes for you uh, by the flamingos. Oh, nice. And waiting for my real life to begin by Colin Hay. I, I don't know that song, but it's one I'm going to check out. We now. should go and listen to it. It's one that uh, it, it was in Scrubs early oh, on. Uh, and it, it really uh, just, yeah, it's a great, great song. Okay. Uh, book. Oh. Ultimately, it's probably going to be the stand. Okay, I come yeah. I come back to it more than anything else. How do you feel about um, the uh, comic book adaption that they did of the stand? It's pretty good. It's all pretty right, good. isn't it? But then they stopped, you know, because nobody nobody follows through with Stephen King. It's like he's he's so long. <laughs> you got to get the commitment. Rarely does Stephen King follow through with Stephen King. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Nobody nobody fucks up cars. an ending like Stephen yeah. King. <laughs> so I'm still looking at classic cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, I, I, I think what he just tends to do is goes right, goes to a Stephen King Rolodex of stuff. What we need is more Americana in this. Do we twenty percent more than that? Yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the blue chambray shirts, the uh, <laughs> the fingernails making little little crescent moons in yep. the hand, uh, and the sodium arc lights. Those yes. are those are Stephen Kingisms. So book. Movie and song. Was there another one? A TV show. TV show. It's going to be Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, no matter no matter the shit that we have to go through in season two, it's all transcendent. Ultimately, yeah, without question, Twin Peaks. The Office. If I want to go comedy, <laughs> nice. It's some good choice. How How do you feel about Carnival? I loved Carnival. Carnival's great. I wish it had continued. <sighs> uh, like, like that was that was a terrible place to end it. For yeah, fuck's sake. I like Clancy Brown. I do. Oh, Clancy Brown yeah, is amazing. I do like him. He's you know, he's in he's in pretty um, uh, promising young woman, oh, and he plays her father. Excellent. And it's the first time I think I've ever seen him play a low key good guy. Oh. He's, I've he's, never seen that from Clancy Brown. Like he plays Clancy bad Brown. very well. He, he really plays does. bad very, yeah, very really well. Does. And he voiceovers fantastically as well. Great voice. Yeah. Great yes. voice. Well, yeah. I, I think that's a, a marvellous selection for people to go and check out. And, and I know I'll be checking out some of that shit soon. Coop, it's been fucking amazing having you on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to been you. It's been lovely. 
Um, it's been wonderful here. We we clearly needed to catch up, uh, <laughs> judging by the hour and a half pre-show. <laughs> we will meet we again. We this. will meet again, and it'll be amazing. You, yeah. You'll just find yeah. us outside rifling through your bins. No. It happens to everybody. Don't we, worry about it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day I meet Cooper again. Are you? Yeah, definitely. I'm also looking forward to the day that you meet Cooper again. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, Cooper, where can people find you and what resources do you have available for them to download or buy or mm. get in their ears? Uh, you can find me almost everywhere at Cooper S. Beckett. Uh, that's my website. I'm on all the social media at Cooper S. Beckett. If you're not crazy about political rants, stay away from my Twitter. I love them. Especially you Americans may know, uh, it's been a it's been a difficult uh, time of it lately. So that's yeah, that's my Twitter. Um, if you like horror. I have two horror novels, uh, Osgood is Gone and Osgood Riddance, and you can get those at cooperspeckett.com or spectralinspector.com. And the audiobook for the first one just came out. I don't read it because it's the point of God view it. of it's it's the female lead point of view, and I felt very uncomfortable with the idea of me voicing that. You, you could have gone down the Monty Python route of I'll oh, just it. do it like Terry Jones. Yeah, yeah. And basically everything is you know. At the end of uh, the A Lifeless Monogamous audiobook, there is a, a, chap a fake chapter where I read everybody in other voices. I do Phil Hartman's <laughs> Charlton Heston. I do, uh, but I do Terry Jones' um, woman voice. I mean, really, all his women are the same voice. Which Mr. Uh, H for, does a lot <laughs> for one of the main characters, and uh, I mean, I'll, I'll never, I'll never get over. Uh, there is an animal named a bomb, <laughs> or did I dream it? He's yeah. not the Messiah. He's a naughty boy. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> oh yes. When we meet again in Desire, I'm going to have you two act that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you stopped listening after you said, "I'm going to have you two. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, we, we can. We we can do that too. <laughs> I mean, really, how about how about both of us as Terry Jones doing a woman doing you? Huh? Oh, so I mean, better. isn't that the most so bizarre better. proposal ever? <laughs> so bizarre. It's I'm totally it's, behind that. Yeah, it wasn't hard <laughs> oh, no, in this it, Take it more. <laughs> On that note, everybody. Mrs. H, do you want to do your thing? Yes, but not in that voice. <laughs> I'd like to thank you all for opening in my bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, all right. I mean, you should all check Spam. Cooper out. Shush, shush, shush. Spam. You should all check Cooper out because literally he has the best voice. He doesn't have much spam, though, oh does he? Oh, my God. <laughs> So anyway. clearly, like that—that's affecting you the way my my uh, Minnesota voice affects Ginger. Like she she cannot take it when I start. Oh yeah, oh you betcha. We got up there. We got up the. We we got some uh, some mackerels out of the lake, and uh, then we uh, we had uh, we had a good brunch. Oh my god! Oh you betcha. Oh, I mean, it just sounds pretty good. Do your thing, wife. Come on, sort <laughs> it right, out. I will do a thing. Thank you for hopping into our bed. <laughs> <laughs> a 
I gotta say, it, watching what you you touching your your chest while I you're talking to me. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I'm is, sorry. <laughs> it is very distracting. I know. I keep doing it. I'm sorry. I touch them all no, the time. No, no, don't I apologize for it. Such a lot. I just, you know. <laughs> I mean, you touch them too if you're here. So that's kind of how I feel. 